The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. This is Sam Witwer, and you are listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. And this episode of Nerdy Show is a State of the Empire episode. That's our Star Wars speculation series, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. And wow, I'm sure you all know what we're going to be talking about this episode. Willow. That's right, and nothing but. Uh, our all Willow Watch episode is still TBD, but it is happening. But no, episode seven is called The Force Awakens, and the trailer, or the teaser trailer, has dropped. Mm-hmm. And there has been an awakening in all of us. <laughs> Sometimes a, a rude awakening, but an awakening nonetheless. Yes. <laughs> I, I suppose the first thing we should discuss is our initial reaction to the title, because the title came out before the teaser. Yeah. So what was, what was your reaction to the title when you heard it? I saw it going one of two ways. Initially, I thought that the idea of The Force Awakens was like Luke reestablishing the Order. Following all the Jedi being wiped out, you know, oh, the Force is now reawakening in the galaxy. But now having seen the trailer, I think actually something completely different. It could still be that. It could be. And it could have a double meaning. But I, I really do feel now that we're probably looking at an ancient enemy. It dawned on me that within the context of the films themselves, we don't actually have an explanation of what the Sith and Jedi conflict is. Right. <laughs> it just kind of, it exists. Just the prophecy, I, the prophecy that talks about balance, but it changes all the time depending on what movie you're in. <laughs> That's a very good and, point, Matt. And, and what's funny, I don't even think the word Sith is mentioned in the original three films. No. We kind of just know he's the Dark Lord of the Sith based on toys and, and just outside context. <laughs> and yeah. the only like explanation of the history behind it was within, like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of expanded universe stuff, but the only official thing that we or the first official thing we got was the Lucas explanation within the Phantom Menace novel, which was just that, you know, it was an order founded 2000 years or a thousand years or something like that before Phantom Menace. And then, you know, they were enemies and, and Darth Bane and all this stuff. But it still was like it was late in the game as far as the actual conflict. And I feel like maybe we can have that explained in this film because some sort of ancient enemy is awakening. That sounds cool. That's what I felt about the title. Yeah. My gripe with it was that it didn't mention episode seven. It just said Star Wars The Force Awakens. I think it's a marketing thing based on the prequels having some bad will. <laughs> right, you know, so. right. So it's like maybe when you sit down in the theater, it'll say episode seven, The Force Awakens. I very yeah. much doubt they've undone the episode chronology right. here. I guess on one hand, I shouldn't worry that much because I remember when they started saying episode one, The Phantom Menace, episode two. Attack of the Clones. I'm like, dude, they just called it Ep- Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. What the fuck? Why are you adding episode titles? Now I, I'm like, yeah, yeah now, now I'm hypocritical by saying, become. yeah, look what I've become. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, the I'm, I'm I, want con- I guess I just want continuity of some kind. <laughs> I, I'm curious how this affects the spinoff films, because the next Star Wars film after Force Awakens is going to be a spinoff film. And right. because you're, they're not using the episode numbers, how are they going to distinguish them for the, the layman? You know, that like, oh, we're taking a time out from 
this saga to tell you a different story. And I'm terrified it's going to be some sort of like, we're introducing the Star Wars Origins series, uh, you know, like Star right, Wars right. Origins, Jabba the Hutt. My reaction just was, it was weird at first, but now I'm just totally fine with it. I had a knee-jerk reaction of like, the Force Awakens? That's just lame. But then it's like, uh, I'm sure everyone's had that same exact reaction for every title that's ever come out, like for, for Star Wars. So it's nothing new, and I've, I've accepted it. Even Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back are so like serial 30s cheesy, and, but it's acceptable because they're such classic movies that I actually appreciated the prequel titles because George Lucas was keeping in theme and having right. these kind of really cheesy serial titles. I actually don't think The Force Awakens is cheesy enough. I can see that. It's yeah. also people try to read too much into it where it's like the force awakens as if what the force wasn't around before. I'm like, dude, we, we were given a nugget of information and we're already yeah. dissecting <laughs> a million different ways. And I know that's what you know nerds like us are supposed to do. And it's a, it's expected, but there just comes a time where I'm just like, you know what? There's just not enough out there. Like we just need to wait. We just need to be more patient. I know we're all excited. I think it's a bland title in a lot of ways, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. It's not like we had any <laughs> real good titles, so to speak. True true yeah. but then shortly after yeah. the teaser drops and now it's like if we thought we were dissecting the name too much before <laughs> i guess we should say that if you haven't seen it by now if you're listening to state of the empire and you made it this far and you haven't seen the teaser by now it's important that you check out the teaser right now and i know there are some who are willfully not checking out the teaser trust us when we say there's not really enough there Right. For you to have anything spoiled for you. Yeah. And if you're on the internet, chances are it already has been. So you may as well check yeah. it out. If you've seen one picture, you've already seen like a fifth of the entire teaser. There's really not much that's being spoiled. It, it, you know what was odd about it? Okay, you get some Millennium Falcon flight sequences in it. Then they were really cool. Maybe the highlight of the entire thing. Yeah. And they focused on the new characters exclusively. Yeah. They, yeah. they had a, a great opportunity to uh, to flash the old guard up there and let everybody know, hey, layman types, this is not another prequel trilogy look at motherfucking harrison ford yeah you got han solo in it you got whatever whatever but they but they didn't do any of that yeah they didn't they're they're relying on x-wings and millennium falcons to do that but i good enough for me well yeah it's true but i feel like the layman did need to see a harrison for marketing purposes is to shy away from the prequels you know (laughs) well people have seen flashy bullshit that they don't care about for for 10 years now yeah here's the thing a small revelation i had which was jj abrams Whenever he makes a film, he always releases a small teaser that has nothing to do with anything else. Yeah, usually it's out of the context of the film, which I usually think is pretty cool. Yeah, even for movies that he just produces and he doesn't direct. I had friends who were so into Lost, they would have just eaten up anything J.J. Abrams had just touched. So when Cloverfield was coming out, they're like, oh my god, we're going to go buy tickets to go see a movie just to see the teaser for Cloverfield. And I'm like... Dude, calm down. It's not like it's Star Wars or anything, but this is like way back then. I went to see whatever film it was, and there was a teaser for Cloverfield. I'm like, that's it? That doesn't say anything. Like, I don't know anything about that movie. How could people get so excited about something I know nothing about? Same thing happened for Super 8. I felt like Super 8 was almost worse because they showed things in a Super 8 teaser that's not even in the movie. There's shots and stuff that weren't even there. I I might be mistaken, but I don't even remember seeing any human beings in it. It was just like a train and it just explodes and then it falls over and then then it says Super 8. Well, it's funny because he makes these trailers that are, you know, not within the actual movie that are supposed to evoke what that movie is eventually going to make you feel. And sometimes he accomplishes it. The Star Trek teaser, just welding the Enterprise together. You're just like, oh, man, I can't wait. They're doing a new Trek film. And none of that was in the movie. But then you have like the Super 8 one. That entire movie was him trying to accomplish something that he couldn't accomplish. But you know, he did a good job making the movie look appropriate. I just don't fucking get it. You know, man, they hand him the, the keys of the kingdom. They're like, do episode seven. He's like, all right, I'm doing episode seven. 
and, and that's all I'm going to do. And then some other guy's going to take over the other two films. I'm going to say, fuck you, Michael Arndt. You're not writing the script. I'm writing the script. Mm-hmm. And then some other guy's taking over after me because really, ultimately, I didn't want to do this in the first place. The money, dude. Fuck it. Dude, the money they offered him must I, have been ridiculous. I know. I know and I would have done it too. But first I would have said yes to Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he's a good movie director. I think he's a good impressionist. I think he would, Super 8 had a look and a feel that he accomplished, but the movie wasn't good. And Star Trek, the kind of the same thing. And like the movies, well, the first movie is enjoyable. The second movie is just freaking train wreck. Well, hey, with that track record, I'm glad he's leaving before he does a second one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What the Star Wars teaser does is like subvert expectations. Like we expected to see Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia. And we kind of expected to see like shots of Coruscant or something like we expected to see a lot of familiar stuff. But what we got instead was a lot of unfamiliar stuff like these new characters like who's that guy in the stormtrooper outfit? I don't know. Is he a stormtrooper? Is he a guy hiding in a stormtrooper outfit? What's with that little droid on the ball? I don't know. And we just see a desert planet. It's most likely Tatooine. But, you know, as far as we know, it's not Tatooine. You say that we expect to see familiar things, but there's familiar stuff buried under the surface. Like we saw three main characters one female and two males and also like a droid companion that I imagine is going to be like the new generations R2-D2. Abrams is kind of obsessed with doing this whole like I want to be like the original trilogy as much as possible. And I feel like he was showing that these are his versions of the original trilogy structure. Here's our three heroes. Here's a droid companion. Here's a a speeder bike and X-Wings, you know, like new X-Wings, but they're still X-Wings. He wants to do a self-contained film like A New Hope was. Establish a universe and then leave it. That's fine, but I guess. I don't, as long as it's good. One of the things that impressed me most about the trailer is like that first shot. Dude stands up and he's in the desert. There probably wasn't any visual effects in that shot. Like, I mean, there, there may have been. He may have been on a green screen, but it looked like they were on a real location. And a dude just stands up in frame and he just starts looking around. And I'm like, mm-hmm. there was no CG there. Like, it was, how <laughs> cool is that? <laughs> There's so much more depth to the things that are real. I, I don't know if you noticed when she's on the speeder bike, her goggles are repurposed stormtrooper visors from, oh, from the helmet. That. Oh. Yeah, she, it looks like she's like scavenged them either from a trooper she killed or she just found the helmet. And there's some speculation that there is a lightsaber staff attached to her speeder bike. Like it looks like a hilt of a lightsaber on the side of it that is like attached to like a, a long staff. So well, you're the, saying we're going to see the lightsaber speeder bike jousting? Uh, it could be. <laughs> well, you know, the Stormtrooper goggles thing would certainly lend some credence to the fan theories that have come up with the concept art that was leaked. Yeah. MillenniumFalcon.com has a bunch of concept art that appears based on the trailer to be very real. So we'll link to where you can check that out. And it's all divided up into categories. There's one called ATAT Binary Sunset. And uh, based on what we've seen with this uh, female character, this is definitely tied into her background. It's, a, it's an ATAT capsized on a desert planet with a covert hangar built into its stomach. It's painting this image that the Empire has fallen, that if you're on this backwater planet, you're, you can sort of cannibalize the equipment and sort of uh, live among the wreckage of it, and that it's kind of common. Which is interesting because it paints that one picture, but then on the other, on the flip side in the teaser, you also got new stormtroopers. Right. I'm you not know. convinced that the stormtroopers are necessarily imperial. That, I mean, if, yeah, if, that's true. If we're going along the lines that, you know, the, the Republic's troopers used to be, you know, basically in that white standardized armor, I, I don't know if they would go back to it, but maybe it's just kind of a standard. This is what proper military looks like. Or just that those suits are easy to make on a mass scale. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
That's a very good point, though. Yeah, they could be Republic for all we know, but they just, mm-hmm. I mean, they certainly try to make it look a little menacing in the uh, teaser. Yeah. Maybe the Republic's the bad guys. Yeah. Who Another knows? thing I noticed was that in the teaser, you get a quick glimpse of the, the Stormtrooper or not Stormtroopers that are in this uh, ship that's landing, and they were all of different heights, different sizes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, well, then I guess that means they're not clones because, you know, they're not like holdover clones from the Empire. This has been a weird point of discussion, actually. People are all of a sudden surprised that, oh, these aren't clones. Newsflash, they have not been clones since A New Hope. Once the Clone Wars ended, they got rid of all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And despite that technically being thrown out with the old EU, they reestablished it in Rebels, like, very quickly with the Stormtrooper Academy, like, in, like, the third episode. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fact. There's a piece of concept art that, that's also another sort of deserty salvagey thing that's that's pretty interesting. It's got looks like a star destroyer crashed into a planet, and a dewback with a mechanical jaw pulling an X-wing out of the rubble. I don't think I saw that one. That sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, where were this where where was this concept art supposedly leaked from? Like, did they say what the source is? Uh, as far as I know, no no source has appeared. But given that this is filled with stuff that was actually in the trailer, yeah, um, Daisy Ridley's fudgesicle speeder that was in there. See, everybody um, sees the everyone sees the speeder and they're like, it looks like a fudgesicle, looks like a popsicle or whatever. I'm like. Am I the only one who saw the teaser and didn't think it looked like food and thought it was stupid, but rather I thought it just looked like something Ralph McQuarrie designed? I actually really like the design, but I did think it looked like a fudgesicle. I just think it's funny. I I, I just like I want it to be like worked into the title somehow of like whatever the land speeder is like. (laughs) Can we talk about Chewbacca's cybernetic arm? I'm not a fan of that one. I'm very accepting of everything that I've seen in the concept art, but that one, it bothers me. Well, there's a picture of him without it and then a picture of him with it. Yeah, it's a picture of him with it and a picture of him without it. But if he has a cybernetic arm in the movie, Luke's got a cybernetic it says, hand, you know, like, what's the difference? It says, but, well, just kind of well, make the Wookiee scarier. <laughs> if, if it just serves the purpose to say that, like, he's older and, like, battle-worn, like, to me, it just seems a weak cop-out to explaining that they've been through a lot since. I'd rather, if they're going to have it, I hope there's a story behind it, the, and I just want it to matter. The note specifically says, bionic arm from war wound war wounds well i mean here's the other thing they're, they're probably looking at a wookiee and saying how can we show that the wookiee has aged because wookiees they can live a long time 30 gray years hairs. for a human he's got gray streaks <laughs> in his fluff yeah but 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 for but 30 years to a human you can see a, a big difference 30 yeah. years to a wookiee you probably wouldn't see a big difference how old is chewbacca supposed to be even in a new hope isn't he like what like 200 300 years old or something like that i think they've had to reconfigure his like canon birth based on what we saw in revenge of the sith because you know he was like a warrior and everything right. so I, I i'm not too sure actually there's um a character who's uh labeled as montross an unused character from 1976 who looks a lot like one of those guys from uh from droids actually with a cybernetic eye really kind of gross david lynch dune looking fella I'm excited to see what, what happens with him. He's cool looking. He's very, very cool looking. I feel like that eventually ended up as like Dengar's design. Like it just sort of like evolved <laughs> into like what can we actually make back yeah. in like 1980. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. There's a lot of smaller things we could lean on, like something called the Wampa Saber, which is just a, a lightsaber labeled Wampa Saber in the notes for some reason. Other things like that. But uh, the biggest thing is the, the villain, the villain who we see in the trailer who's possibly the person giving a narration, the one who has the crazy-ass uh, tri-blade lightsaber. All right, are we going to talk about that now? The, the lightsaber thing is its own over-analysis discussion in, in a lot of ways. It's definitely been uh, making the rounds in a big way online, more so than anything else. But let's, let's linger on what's really going on here. Okay. <laughs> this, this character has been seen 
robbing the grave of Darth Vader. We've seen photos in these leaked pictures of a very crusty, burnt Vader helmet. And this guy has a bionic hand and a all kinds of messed up cybernetic face, except for this like upper lip section, which to my mind in all the pictures looks weirdly like Luke's lips. I thought the design overall looked a little feminine. Like I thought they might have been going for like a female uh, Sith. And the way it's holding the helmet and everything, it, it's, it, it came off a little uh, ambiguous. I suppose. And of course that, you know, it was almost like a misdirect, like an intentional misdirect, you know? They, they, all, they also have the concept art that looks like that the grave robber is embracing Daisy Ridley's character. Like, I mean, he's, he's behind her. And that, that I thought was the most interesting. I'm like, whoa, what is going on there? And the thing is, we know it's not Luke because we know what Luke looks like. So far, we've seen Mark Hamill with the beard. We are pretty much certain that he was in some kind of Jedi temple filmed in Ireland. Mm -hmm. But if they choose to cannibalize any stuff from the EU here, we could be seeing a clone Luke who's freakishly deformed and turned towards the Sith. Oh, I just thought of something terrible. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? I was like, how are you going to clone Luke? How are they going to get a sample? I'm like, oh, wait, that fucking bullshit thing about his hand getting cut off. That's what they used in Dark Empire, because oh, the Emperor boy. claimed it as a trophy after Bespin. Terrible. But, I mean, that, that was just, you know, the explanation back then. And I, 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 I like that one. <laughs> I like it because, because hands have been such an important, like, symbolic piece in the entire saga that I think it would make sense. If you're going to clone them from something, it's better for a hand than blood. Right. Of course, this guy is missing his hand. And, and most of everything else looks like... But it's interesting because the first reaction I had was that, wow, that thing doesn't have a lot of human parts, but it weirdly kind of looks like Luke. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much sense that makes. I mean, I, I've, I've heard persistent rumors that it, it is Luke because things that people have pointed out during the scope of filming, Mark Hamill's beard hasn't stayed the same length. So people are like, oh, he doesn't need the beard because he's probably just going to end up being a CG character that he's lending his voice to. And that, that you know, it's just speculation. But that that's kind of speculation terrifies me. Yeah, that's kind of wild speculation, too. It's like almost like a conspiracy. Like, no, the beard's not even, he's not even needing the beard. He's just growing it because fans <laughs> think so. It's like, dude, <laughs> calm the fuck down. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, it's it, we're looking at concept art that may not even be used. This is a Star Wars speculation podcast, Doug. But this we're is looking like, for news and Alderaan places. I know, but there's, but there's no evidence to suggest that the concept art is even final. This because even in the one thing where you look at the thing of Chewbacca, one version he's got a mechanical arm, the other version he doesn't. It's a well, 50-50 gonna, shot. Like who, I was actually wondering, because I, I, you know, obviously Luke had a hand that was fake human skin to make it look like a real hand. I'm wondering if a, if a Wookiee cybernetic hand, if they would graft artificial fur. Probably. I mean, if you could do, if you could do a mechanical hand that looked that close to a human know. hand. You know, vain, vain Luke. Oh, I don't want a robot hand, you guys. And, and Chewbacca's <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> maybe i don't know <laughs> daisy ridley's little droid friend is in the concept art too i don't know if you noticed that it's no the, the one with um it's labeled daisy ridley boyega saber if you look in the bottom he's, oh, he's hanging he out with, yeah yeah there's another you know something that was in the trailer so what, what we've got here all the the pieces that we've collected between the trailer and this concept art it paints a narrative wherein daisy ridley and boyega meet up on this desert planet there's some kind of rebel base somewhere. There's definitely some travel to a couple different locales. There's a smoking like castle ruin. The Falcons parked in front of. There's a what looks like Daisy Ridley going to the throne chamber. This like medieval looking chamber of the cloaked figure. 
some things that could be perceived as training, some things that could be perceived as like life or death battles between this guy. Not really sure. And aside from this, this uh, still, it's clearly Boyega's character with the lightsaber. It's not really clear which one of these characters is actually a Jedi. Maybe both of them, because there's a, a Leia-looking, Daisy Ridley-looking character holding a blue lightsaber in another shot. Yeah, it's it's interesting that both both handling sabers and and with that image of Daisy Ridley being embraced by the the so-called grave robber, I'm wondering if that other picture of her with the lightsaber in front of the grave robber with his saber activated is now training and not necessarily fighting. All viable possibilities. What if they're all clones? What if it's a dream? Hey, you you know, something I just picked up on, by the way, the one where it looks like John Boyega has the lightsaber activated, the the alien that's in the shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The photo labeled under Daisy Ridley, you know, it looks like they're in a cantina. You know, it's a different art style. Yeah. It's much more. It could easily be the same alien. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that is our first, like, maybe confirmation of he's the new alien of the gang. So that lightsaber. There's been a lot of mixed reactions online. I feel like the reaction the trailer wanted you to have was, oh my God. Right. And well, that's what every trailer wants you to think. Yeah. Uh, my reaction was uh, very naturally, you gotta be, what? It seems kind of silly. Now, there's been a lot of discussions about, no, it makes sense. It's gonna keep you, your hand from getting cut off with those rails there. You know, it's, it's, right. it's very viable. And people who said, well, wouldn't you just cut it off at the nubs where the, the blades are pointing out? Well, on the forums, uh, Garrier pointed out that there are 10 known lightsaber-resistant materials in the expanded universe. There's an index of them on Wikipedia. Yeah, like if Knights of the Old Republic, you know, before you get a lightsaber, you get, what was it, the Vibroblade? And uh, mm-hmm. that that blocks the lightsaber. But here, here, was, here was my thing. My experience in watching the teaser, I'm like, this is good, okay? Nothing really story-driven, but okay. And then you see this, you know, dark figure. I'm like, okay, that's clearly some sort of bad guy, I guess. And then he ignites a lightsaber. And then, the, the, you know, the, the, the cross-section comes out. And my first reaction was, oh, no, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, no. And then, then but then you forget about that because then you see the Millennium Falcon. And then I for, so I really thought about it for a long while, saw some reactions online, heard the debate back and forth. Where I stand on it right now is I think it's fine because I'm sure you probably some of you have probably already seen the Stephen Colbert reaction to the uh, lightsaber design. And if not, we'll link to it. Yeah, and it's like, even if you do cut through it, you'll be still getting to the lightsaber. But then you might cut your own hand off. You know, if you cut the blade sticking out, you might, you just as easily might cut your own hand off. My thought on that is, well, that's if you're swinging it around like Darth Maul. If you look at A New Hope, the way Obi-Wan and Vader were fighting, that fighting style wasn't like samurai. That fighting style was more like, you know, knights of the round table. Like, very, like, broadsword style of yeah. fighting. And, and, and they are very much Jedi knights. Yeah, very much but, where yeah. it was more about the power of the swing and not so much about whipping it around your head and psyching someone out and, and cutting their leg off when they're not looking. This was more of, like, come at me, bro. Like, like more of a defensive technique then someone made another video where they pointed out where if you have one person with a regular lightsaber fighting someone with the crossbeam saber you got the regular saber comes down and it hits that little hilt uh, the, not the hilt but it hits the uh, you know the, the little crossbeam and when you have it there suddenly if i'm holding the crossbeam saber i'm at an advantage because now i can quickly move my saber directly towards you it slides up the crossbeam and then whoop, now your arm is cut off and i'm like whoa that 
that looks really useful. Like, like that, that's a way you could actually protect yourself and move faster. It's, it's like a minimalist approach, like going back to like being reserved where it's like the, the, the force is for knowledge and defense and not for attack. And it's like, if you make the first move, you're dead, you're done. That's it. Like I, like I, I'm able to def- not only deflect your lightsaber away, but then come back down. Uh, you know, and on I top do of you. think a broadsword fighting style applied to lightsabers would be pretty cool. Yeah. But I also can't help but, but feel like, oh man, that's silly. It looks so silly. Now, it, 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 the look of it stopped bothering me the more I thought about it. And at the end of the day, we're talking about fucking magic. It's like, it's, you know, <laughs> like something that doesn't make sense. It's like, you want to talk about something that doesn't make sense. How about the fact that the light beam just stops at a certain point? And it's just like, well, it's like a plasma. It's like a plasma saber. It's like, no, dude, it's called a lightsaber. It's not a plasma saber. Let's 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 just put this. It's like, oh, no, it's plasma because that would account for the shadows that you see during Return of the Jedi. No, it's because the technology was limited at the time and they're fighting with sticks. Let's just be real. Yeah, to to me, I'm bothered that if it's going to be a broadsword saber, I didn't even though I I loved the way the guy walked and it was a very menacing Sithy stance. If you're going to do a broadsword saber, I would have liked to see like the hilt longer and him holding it with two hands. True. Um, I mean, I get that. But again, he's just extending it just for uh, just for our sake, you know, watching the. Oh, teaser. yeah. No, I mean, you, it, it's a pretty classic pose and, and right. it looked fantastic. I thought, yeah. I mean, as far as the like the pose and, and, and the camera work and, and that environment looks really cool. The bonus to I, having a lightsaber is that it doesn't weigh anything. It's a beam yeah, of yeah. light like you don't need yeah. to hold it with two hands in order sure, to have a good sure. grip. I'm not bothered by the hurting yourself in the hands thing because, I mean, you know, there's plenty of materials or you can explain away that it's not like when they were the battle droids. Obviously, there were a lot of slashing directly through, but there were also shots where they were just taking out chinks of the armor. It's not necessarily everything's going to go all the way through. So if he's wearing some sort of like heavy gauntlets, like it doesn't bother me and it would add to the whole broadsword concept. Or explain why he's missing so much of his body parts. Yeah. (laughs) Or uh, we're also forgetting the fact that the person who's holding this is a force user. You know, you're trained and you have an awareness greater than the average person. If I picked up that thing, I probably would cut my own hand off if I spin it around or do something. But this is a person who's probably trained for it for who knows how long. Yeah. I mean, they could be something, this, could be, this could be the ancient force that's awoken or this could be a new apprentice or whatever. I had the same reaction when I saw Darth Maul's lightsaber. You know, even when the trailer looked amazing for episode one, I'm like, what, what? He's going to cut himself in half. And then Obi-Wan cut him in half. But I don't hear anybody complaining about the double-bladed lightsaber anymore. Fans and cosplayers do it all the time because now they've sort of accepted it and that it looks cool. I think a double-bladed lightsaber poses way more of a threat to you than a lightsaber with a crossblade. Agreed. You know, there was a Lucasfilm trailer that came out this past month that wasn't Star Wars. No. Yeah. A weird, weird thing happened. On November 11th, a new Lucasfilm movie distributed by Touchstone was announced. It's called Strange Magic and it's coming out January 23rd, as in like no time at all. This is very unusual. And what it is is a CGI animated kids' film. It's a quote, a madcap fairy tale inspired by a Midsummer Night's Dream. And uh, it has music numbers in it, but they're all hits from the past six decades. I haven't seen on this it. episode's page. Oh man. I'll Would you like to watch it, it now, Doug? Yeah. All right. So, Strange Magic. Yes. More like Strange Trailer. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's very much a kids' movie. Maybe this trailer sells it short, but uh, 
the uh, integration of the pop song seems super awkward, and yeah. uh, the animation looks great. Like, yeah, yeah, the, the actual yeah, technology like of the it. the aesthetic and the animation look really good. Remind me of that movie Epic that came out? I wonder what the musical... I, I wonder if that was purely like, a, oh, how can we make this movie like guaranteed profitable? Oh, we can sell soundtracks with it because the kids love music. Yeah. It's kind of a shame because it, it doesn't look like it needs it. Right. It was just very it was very heavily kid focused yeah. in terms of songs and the humor and, and uh, everything. I, I can't help but notice every single like version of this trailer on YouTube. It's one third of the votes are negative, And I really wonder if it's because it's said from the mind of George Lucas <laughs> and, and he has such ill will. I feel bad for him, but yeah. also he's he's probably crying into his six billion dollar net worth or whatever it is now. Well, you know, the one thing I liked about the all the criticism for the teaser of Star Wars was that it's like, well, at least no one's angry at George Lucas anymore. It's like it's all <laughs> JJ with the lightsabers. What the fuck? It just it's I'm relieved for George. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the story for this movie is by Lucas and uh, David Berenbaum, who wrote Elf, did the screenplay. It's directed yeah. by uh, Gary Rydstrom, who wrote and directed the Toy Story animated short Hawaiian Vacation. And uh, the cast is uh, Alan Cumming, Maya Rudolph, Alfred Molina, and Kristen Chenoweth. Hmm. There's a good amount of clout there behind the scenes but whether it uh, amounts to something or not i guess time will tell it seems like one of those uh, animated films that uh, unless lightning strikes will easily be forgotten mm. well, it's nice to see them sort of testing the waters with something that's completely different like something that's not I, star wars i related. agree maybe uh maybe they'll do it with willow yeah or just or, you know anything i just want to see new stuff and i i, I legitimately want to see if there's something else that George wants to make, he's been doing Star Wars for so long and, 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 you know, Indiana Jones and I want more unique one off stuff. Yeah, I think that that's something Lucasfilm should have done more with in all aspects for the entirety of its career. But it got hung up on Star Wars and understandably so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's time for a song break and it's something new from the Returners. They're a VGM video game music band who've been setting the world on fire these past couple years. They just recently released their first full album. And on it, they cover the track Terran 2 from StarCraft. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, what we know of Episode 7 and uh, then get into some of the bigger picture things that have been going on in Star Wars Rebels that may affect the new Star Wars Expanded Universe as we know it.
Anthony Daniels recently put forth on Twitter that uh, you might say no movie sequel is better than The Empire Strikes Back, but went on to say, you may eat those words for Christmas dinner in 2015. Joy and indigestion to the world. <laughs> all right, all right. My, my first issue with that statement is despite the fact that Empire Strikes Back is my favorite movie, <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily agree that it's the best sequel of all time. You know, because, I mean, how do you, I mean, Godfather Part 2. Yeah. I, it's just, yeah it, it, or but, Terminator 2. Or Terminator 2. Uh, Aliens, can, uh, I think you can argue also. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, there's some great sequels out there. But uh, what I'm encouraged about that statement is that Anthony Daniels has not shied away from letting people know that he did not think very highly of the prequels. Right, right. And it's nice to know that he does think highly of this film. That, that is what is encouraging about yes, this Yes, very much so. And also, Warwick Davis is in it. Yeah. Didn't he post a video on his, um, was it on Twitter or something that was him like responding to the phone call that J.J. is finally calling to, to put him in the film? Did you guys see I, that? I didn't see that, no. Oh, it's pretty funny. I won't spoil it. We'll have to put, put a link on the, uh, on the episode. It was very good. The Star Wars Rebels. The show is sometimes a mixed bag. The dialogue's still a bit unnecessary when some cool things are happening, when they're doing a good enough job of animating the show. But that said, sometimes they, uh, the animation gets a little lazy, too. I saw them actually repeat a cycle of animation in a recent episode. That said, some very cool things are being done with the story. The characters are growing. Anybody I thought was going to be irritating, turns out they're not. It's balanced. It's developing. And uh, as of the most recent episodes, things are getting pretty intense. And we're really getting to a point where it's, the characters have been established. Now we're going to see the start of the rebellion for real. That's good. I haven't been keeping up with it since uh, I watched uh, Droids in Distress. Just because uh, it, 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 it's not that it was bad. It was just uh, it didn't quite win me over to a point where I would go out of my way to continue watching it. And uh, that's not a negative. That's not like a negative review. That's not me saying that that I not recommending it to Star Wars fans. But uh, just for me personally, it's it's been more difficult for me to get into TV shows as of late just because I don't have the time. So when I sit down and I want to start a show, it's like I really want it to hook me in order for me to invest the time later. But, uh, you know, if you guys still think it's great, I'll probably binge watch a couple episodes later. So I'm so I'm up to date. There was an episode. I want to say it was like two or three episodes after droids in distress. It was a rise of the old masters. Other than capturing the feel of like the empire strikes back. And that was what really hooked me into the show. It also did this great. It was almost like a statement on like the clone wars and the prequels are over. The empire's really in control. Now that we don't have a, an expansive EU, Rebels has to be the thing that like establishes post-Revenge of the Sith. The Empire is in charge and the Empire is bad and effective. That was really what hooked me on the show. And since then, I've been like looking forward each week like, oh, great, there's a new Rebels. The, the Inquisitor, that was a good establishing episode for his sort of like, uh, he's not even ruthless. He's just confident. And that was a cool thing, too, was like, you know, seeing that the Empire is so confident in their position at this point he's a good villain yeah like jason isaacs is is brings a lot to that role those characters have really been put in a situation well or situations repeatedly where they've gotten themselves in a lot of trouble and some very real stuff has happened uh even the ezra's ties to uh to the larger plot have been very interesting in the recent two-parter they did with um yes with the what an old friend of his who was lobotomized i.e lobot from cloud city an early uh test subject of that technology that was some very cool stuff going on there yeah, and what's crazy is that from I, ha- I still haven't finished the Tarkin novel, but it, it looks like they're weaving. We're talking about the clo- crystals right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah we need to talk- if you want looks at Star Wars speculation, 
this thing with these crystals here, this is big. So Disney, you know, going after this shared universe concept in Clone Wars, there were a series of episodes that kind of explain where a Jedi's lightsaber comes from. And they sort of, you know, it was a kyber crystal, which was, I'm guessing, based on the original kyber crystal that was in you know the very first EU novel of all time. It's just a splinter of the mind's eye. But anyway, so they had these these kyber crystals and the separatists tried to, like, take over that planet so the Jedi couldn't have new lightsabers. And then, you know, they had a saber or whatever. So within Rebels now, they've revealed that the Empire is like smuggling kyber crystals to, you know, to somewhere. And, and the Rebels have been blowing up these, you know, shipments of, of kyber crystals. You know, they don't even know what they're, the purpose is of them. And now in this Tarkin novel, supposedly it's the Death Star super laser. That's what the kyber crystal is being used for. So they're taking something like so now the idea that the the super laser is essentially a warped Jedi lightsaber on like a massive scale. And that is such a cool like weaving of lore that was established in Clone Wars and now is taking something in the original trilogy and is making it much more powerful of a concept. You know, it's just like this is the dark side of the force. We're wielding a freaking lightsaber on planets. I kind of wish that the super laser was red. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's cool as hell. And what's neat in Rebels is that, like, when they name dropped that crystal, it was in a seemingly completely unimportant side story for what, like, the B cast of characters for that episode were doing. To someone who wasn't reading the novels like you were, Matt, like like me, for example, that was just a thing that happened, a minor conflict in the background. But in actuality, it was a clue to something that I think is undoubtedly part of a a larger story that they're exploring over several different mediums right now yep makes me wonder how much stuff they already have planned but like how much is that even going to tie into the new uh to the new film probably probably nothing at all probably it's tying into i mean the story group is effectively creating three eras of content right now the pre-original trilogy era the during the original trilogy era with the star wars comic books then the episode seven era and whatever comes in between. So I, I think this is part of the narrative that they're setting up for the pre-original trilogy era. I, I think they might have ramifications that transpose over one another, but for the time being, they're going to be somewhat isolated in their scope. I could be wrong. If I were writing one of the Marvel comics that was, you know, in, in the original trilogy era. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Right now, I would have somehow the explanation for Luke's green lightsaber be that he, I don't know, maybe found a piece of a kyber crystal on Yavin after Death Star blew up. I think that would be cool way to continue that into weaving it into like even more media but that'd be great and it's not too long before we're going to get our first dose of uh the star wars comics very soon january 14th is the titular star wars book by jason aaron and john cassidy and there's actually a three-page preview on starwars.com which we'll link to on this episode's page just as a reminder february is kieran gillen's darth vader and march is uh princess leia from mark wade but uh, not to be left out, April is Greg Weissman's Kanan, The Last Padawan, which is going to uh, provide some development for the character from Rebels as uh, we elaborated on in Last State of the Empire. It's surprising that Weissman leaves the show, but yet Weissman is writing a prequel to the show. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. It's cool that he's still involved. I just wish he was still involved with the TV show. Yeah, he has. Especially, especially if the rumors of that the show has a specific three season arc is true. Yes. And I think there's some clout to that because obviously they want Rebels to go on for as long as it can, or they want a Star Wars series to go on for as long as it can, but Rebels exists within a finite period of time and needs to have an ending and needs to show the rise of the Rebellion and in very short time have the Rebellion grow to the point that they can successfully take down the Death Star. So there's not much room for them to uh, dilly-dally, and I think that they've done their obligatory getting to know the characters, and the shit is really about to hit the fan and may continue to hit the fan until the season's over. Yeah, and they're definitely establishing some new ideas about the Force with the crazy two-parter. Like, I mean, it's funny, like, yeah, we know the characters now, but uh, now I think it's time for Ezra to, like, definitely come to the forefront of the show, which I, I like. But then we have to deal with the problem of, well, you've got two Jedi, and they're part of the Rebellion, yet they never showed up in the original trilogy, how do you gracefully deal with that without making Luke come off as a complete tool? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely my biggest problem with Rebels. The more Jedi seem obvious in the universe, and like no one is overly surprised whenever Kanan wields a lightsaber, the more Luke looks like a really ignorant farm boy when he's like, what's the force and what's a Jedi and like, well, you, know, you, it, it you, just... could, you could argue that that uh, Uncle Owen and Emperor shielded him from that because they wanted nothing to do with that, especially knowing who his father is. If you were like, oh, man, Hitler had a baby and uh, they gave him to me because they didn't want to kill a child. Do you really want him to read Mein Kampf, even though he doesn't know Hitler's his dad? You, you wouldn't wouldn't you like go out of your way to make sure that he knows nothing about it? And you lie, well, don't tell me. Well, your your I, father I mean, wasn't yeah. Hitler. Your father was a, he was a, he, oh, he was a fighter pilot in, in World War II. He, uh, no, he worked on, he worked on a tanker ship of, of, uh, of spices, uh, fueling that stuff. Like, he well, wasn't involved more, in the it's war. It's more like that, that Luke, in this case, Hitler's child wouldn't know what, like, I don't know, a, a paratrooper was or so, you know, some sort of like a ever present thing that is in the war. Like, I mean, his, his response, like, he asked 3PO and R2 if they know of the rebellion against the Empire. Which is okay, because once again, there's no pre-established EU or, I mean, you can throw out the old concepts that like it was really a, if you don't want it to be a very underground movement, then you can make it very public because there's nothing that says that it wasn't. Well, but, it's, but again, Luke lives, Luke lives in the middle of nowhere on a planet that's, that's like 
so far off the Empire's radar under normal circumstances. He only hears about these exciting things from his buddy Biggs. So it's like, he, he yeah. really doesn't know anything. That's why it's just like, oh, what with the rebellion and all? And he's like, you know of that? Because he, <laughs> no one else knows about it. No one else well, is talking right. about it. Luke is supposed to be a 16-year-old kid who barely has any friends. And the, one, the, one, the friends that he does have are older, or they, they call him like a scrawny worm. You know, they pick on him almost. It's like, he really well, is, I mean, you know. I mean, unfortunately, all that stuff is not in context of like actually having happened. All that big stuff, sadly, is like cut to a point of like it didn't necessarily even occur that way because they didn't include those scenes in the actual movie themselves. You know, I mean, so. I, could, I could see that point, but you could also say that that clearly informed Mark Hamill's acting choices. So that's the direction he's coming from. Just because we didn't see it doesn't mean it didn't happen that way either. Isn't that kind of how the whole expanded universe works anyway at this point? Since it's yeah, all well, race? yeah, but it's, it's uh, interesting and, and it may point to whereas Rebels will have a definite number of seasons then it will be followed by a show that, uh, this is a, a current rumor, it'll be followed by a show that will take place post-Return of the Jedi and could, if any of those characters survive, explain where they've been, what they've been doing, and where they are in the perspective of the rest of the Star Wars universe. Because we can assume that they wouldn't just create these characters to kill them off. Maybe they dispose of them somehow. And where the hell are these Jedi? One of them could die. But would both of them die? You know, also, even beyond Luke, they do need to die at, at some point if Yoda is last of the Jedi, will you be? And once again, is Yoda ignorant? <laughs> it's coming to the point where, where it seems like Yoda was simply mistaken or Obi-Wan's mistaken. But like the roles that those two characters played is they're so like these are the movie trope wizard and sage that like, you know, what they tell you is the truth. Right. You know, well, other than Obi-Wan lying, but like that's... I was to say, it's like, or is Yoda, it's like, Yoda shows up as a ghost, and then like later, Luke finds Ezra, and it's like, wait a minute, you already know all this? And he's just like, yeah. And he's like, but my master told me that I was the last, you know, Jedi. Then Yoda pops up. True it was, from my point of view. It's like yeah. the same bullshit all over again, and Luke's just like, God damn it! So now it's all about making Luke the truly the ignorant one. So it's, is everyone ignorant, or is Luke the only ignorant one? And that's just yeah, a recurring gag. And I guess the more this goes on, where, I, I mean, really, it, it, right there from that TV movie for Rebels, when Agent Callus sees Kanan activate the lightsaber, and, like, that was a moment he should have been like, oh, fuck, it's a Jedi. But instead, it was just kind of like, Focus your fire on the Jedi. You know, he's not that. Well, he hesitated like like he was definitely surprised. And all the stormtroopers backed the fuck away. They're like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, I mean, I I feel like that it was more of like a mandate that it's like, if you ever see anything weird like this, take it down. And then they've heard rumors of stuff like this. And then when you see a guy ignite a lightsaber, you do back the fuck away for a moment because you're like, I don't know what to do. Like, I know what the what the rules say to do, but how do you how do you take down someone who basically has magic in a world where there basically is no longer magic? Luke's reverence of like what the lightsaber was like. Yes, now it looks like he's just a podunk farm boy. That's just like, whoa, I've never seen this lightsaber before. But in my mind, and I think in a lot of the because even expanded universe stuff I've read, you didn't actually see Vader with the lightsaber out that much. That was like just, you know, some people did. And it's just like kind of like it's an ancient religion. You know, it wasn't something that you saw that often. But now you have Kanan running around with a lightsaber and the Inquisitor runs around with a lightsaber. And this is something that did end up happening in the Expanded Universe, too, especially when like Force Unleashed was released and things like this. Is There's just a lot of remnants following, you know, the purge. Yeah, but, but on the, on the other was, hand, Force Unleashed and all that stuff doesn't really matter anymore. So the only lightsabers that exist are the Inquisitors and Cadence. 
Well, they did establish the Inquisitor as one of many, which the Inquisitor, that was the old expanded universe Inquisitoris or whatever it was called. The, the actual organization was a series of Darksiders. But once again, it was it was a secret. They're, yeah, they're not going to go marching the, around in public they're, They, they yeah, only no, call them out not. for like the super serious yeah. shit. I would just like to see the force really be pushed underground during the like the whole thing was that the dark side won. I feel like the galaxy should be bathed in darkness for those 18 years pre-Luke, you know? Oh, come on. You can't make a kid show out of that. You got to lighten it up. <laughs> we got to sell these toys, man. Well, that's the other thing, too, is there's nothing that inherently tells me the Empire is evil other than just watching like that great scene aboard the, uh, you know, the rebel blockade runner. I need something to tell me that those 18 years were the Third Reich times like an entire galaxy. Right. Like we need to see Naboo under uh, like some serious bad stuff like, yeah. and, and not just Tatooine again. Because Tatooine's yeah. a shithole no matter who's running it. And, and not just random fringe world that uh, Rebels takes place on where yeah. miraculously all Imperial vehicles are easy to destroy. But the Rebels random crap is impervious. Yeah. yeah the Empire has been a little incompetent thus far. But maybe the first spinoff film will take place in between there and we can see some really good. I don't know. I just yeah. need it. To I, get... I, I just don't expect Rebels to get too heavy because it is at the end of the day, it is a show for children. Yeah, yeah it, it's cl- tough. Clone Wars did skirt that line, I thought, especially towards the end. But I need to see the good guys lose. I mean, there, there's got to be a reason that Luke is the new hope. I also echo that. I hope that we see it. I don't remain too confident that we will, but it would be good. It would be ideal. So, gaming, Star Wars Battlefront announced that it will have a holiday 2015 release, which is great. Perfect timing. Yes, indeed it is. And hopefully we'll get some hands-on with it at E3, or at least see something. Some bad news that we actually didn't know about when we recorded our last episode is that uh, Disney pulled the plug on their Star Wars mobile games that they had out, most notably Tiny Death Star, which is a a reskin of the resource management game Tiny Tower, but uh, it it was a funny, fun, chibi game. And uh, they also killed Star Wars Assault Team, which is a card battler. The thing that sucks about the Tiny Death Star thing specifically is that uh, Nimblebit, the company that made it, they didn't even know that Disney pulled the plug on it. <laughs> it was actually a significant source of revenue for the company. So all of a sudden, it's not there. And uh, it's pretty cold. There's just a bad history of that happening with any Star Wars related game, any LucasArts related game. Like, they make it sound like a company you don't want to do business with. It's hard to say how that actually works in any way now because LucasArts doesn't truly exist anymore. And uh, the mobile games, that's actually the only games overseen directly by Disney. Right. It just makes it seem like there's a curse to any Star Wars themed <laughs> game. Yeah. Don't get your hopes up. Yeah. However. And, and if you do a good one, we won't get you to do another one. Like it's, 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 <laughs> it's just bad in, in every way. However, there is some good news, which is that uh, X-Wing and TIE Fighter have both finally been re-released along with a ton of classic LucasArts games like Sam and Max Hit the Road, The Secret of Monkey Island, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, and uh, the original Knights of the Old Republic. They're all on GOG right now. And uh, both those special editions for X-Wing and TIE Fighter are $10. I know what I'm getting. I've heard some people had some frustrations finding a a joystick or gamepad that really is responsive to it, but I mean... It's an old game, and I guess you gotta, I don't know, dig out the old Gravis gamepad, see if it works. Star Wars Weekends was also recently announced, so the 2015 dates will link to where you can find those on this episode's page. Better than me just reading off a bunch of numbers, you gotta write down quickly. Suffice to say, it's probably gonna be a big deal in 2015 and 2016 probably as well. Guys, do you know what time it is? 
Uh, I guess it's about uh, like two. Uh... It's Willow Watch. <laughs> Not surprisingly, there's not a lot to report for Willow Watch once again. It's definitely back down at, um... Probably Disappearing Piglet again. Yeah, we're, we're back to Disappearing <laughs> it's, it's Piglet. It's submerged back to uh, Disappearing Piglet. Though, it, admittedly, the new animated film from Lucasfilm does bode well for them playing around with what properties they have. Yeah, and it's in a fantasy setting, magical fairies and that, you know, so... But will it do well? Probably not. That doesn't speak to the Willow, of course. But, uh, you know, I always like to poke around and find out about Willow stuff that I was unaware of. Mm -hmm. So, um, I knew that there were not Willow action figures, but Willow figurines, a full line of Willow figurines released. It was somewhat expansive. You could get, you know, like random soldiers of Nakmar and, and so on. And they were actually produced by Tonka, makers of those trucks. Weird. Uh, you know, not, not action figures, but little painted figurines on plastic stands. You couldn't move them. They're not posable at all. Like, how big are we talking? You know, uh, Willow is probably two inches tall. But they're like, so standard action figure size, but to proportion? A, a little smaller. Okay. So they're like G.I. Joe size? Like the old, like a, new G.I. Joe? A little smaller. A little smaller than G.I. Joe? Not, not miniatures, but a little smaller. It, a Mad Mardigan at full height, I think, would be a little smaller than a G.I. Joe. Huh. One thing I didn't know was that they actually had a number of very hard to find accessories, such as some like battle wagons and so on for uh, the chariots, for the chariot race. But also a very impressive, very impressive Ebor sick figure. Really? Yeah. It's uh, nine inches tall, 15 inches long. You get probably the, the best look at the Ebor sick you ever see anywhere. Mm -hmm. In fact, you can see at the back with his, he gets like this stubby kind of like tail, and there's a row of six vestigial feet. Weird. Like little, like almost flippers, but they look like they're like things that maybe used to be feet there. Really great sculpting, and in fact, there's some flocking on it, which is that kind of like mossy, velvety stuff on his neck and back because he's, you know, comes out of the swamp and he's covered in goo. Crazy. Like, when, when, when were these made? 1988, I think. What do they go for on eBay? Well, the Ebersick, at currently, as of this recording, isn't even on eBay. <laughs> it's like, I'm not selling that. Are you crazy? <laughs> They're going to make a Willow sequel. It's going to be worth a lot of money. <laughs> I also found out there were two board games. Really? Yeah. One crazy looking one made by Parker Brothers. Is this like, it's just like a new skin on Candyland or something? Or is this like... No, they're both very different. We'll have links to where you can see these on the episode page. I've just sent Matt a picture of the Parker Brothers game. <laughs> uh, very strange looking. It has a very unconventional looking board. It, it looks kind of like a crystalline shuriken <laughs> that you step around the borders of. There's some, some very nice uh, painting, kind of like uh, the side of a cool van. Uh, of the scenes from <laughs> a, a van or 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 a, or a carnival knockoff ride, like, <laughs> and and the goal of the Parker Brothers one is, I believe, to uh, collect three pairs of hero or heroine cards and get rid of all the villain cards. And I don't really know; it doesn't make a lot of sense. They have some photo cards that come with the game, but the odd thing is, so that this Parker Brothers game, that's probably the one that was most commonly distributed, and it's just crazy looking board. And yeah, that, that board's incredible. <laughs> I'd kind of like to frame it. Oh, that's, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> but then the other one is made by Tor Books, the fantasy book publisher. I didn't even know they did board games. Maybe, maybe they still do. I don't know. But it's the Willow game. It has way better art. And uh, then it comes with some cards that have 
art that's not very good at all of the character. What's that? What's that piece of art right there? That's in the right center. here. Yeah, the character art. That, what's that, that? That's a Mad Mardigan card. That looks identical to the one that's in the Willow Source book. In fact, the Willow Source book is published by Tor Books. There you go. Okay, the plot thickens. And it comes with a board that is not a particularly accurate map based on the maps we've seen of the world, but has the world of Willow laid out in a bunch of funky tiles, almost risk-like, at the center of which is the crossroads. Is there like an objective to that game? Is that like a battle game? Like what, is, what, kind, of, what kind of game is it? Well, I think it would be the more complicated of the two. Even though it looks less complicated based on the board. <laughs> You play as heroes or villains, and the goal is to find the baby and oh. uh, then do whatever you know you need to do. So it's kind of like Risk meets uh, like a searching game of some kind. That is what it seems like, and it all it also cautions on the back. But beware, you may be transformed into a possum, a pig, or even the fearsome Eborsik. <laughs> Destroy the beast, find the baby. I'm trying to figure out that board is just like what is going on there. Which board are we talking about? The Willow game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's any uh, rhyme or reason or direction. You just choose where you go. Obviously, yeah, I would like to play these, and they seem... Uh, the, the, the prices prices vary, but uh, they're not impossible. They're not, uh, it's not, they're not as expensive as the Willow source book. Okay. <laughs> I doubt very much we'll find any more nuggets of Willow lore hidden away in these that aren't in the Willow source book. Well, especially if it's the same publisher. You yeah. Know? yeah. But very interesting nonetheless. Another little nugget of Willow news, Max posted a link to a 2013 io9 interview that was done around the time of the uh, Blu-ray re-release of, of Willow, where they asked, did you ever read Shadow Moon, the book that continued the Willow story? To which Work Davis replied, no, I haven't read it, but apparently it goes in a kind of a different area. Apparently Willow changes his name and things. The Willow sequel is something that I know has been talked about for a while. I know a TV series was discussed at one point. It's never too late, is it? Never say never? The films from the 80s are all getting sequels. Isn't Conan getting a sequel? So who knows? Maybe Val Kilmer and I will be reunited. And they ask, well, would you be open to a Willow sequel? And then Warwick gives the of answer. Of course not. The, <laughs> we, we, Why not? We, we all know what the answer is. Warwick's been very public about it. But here's what he said in this case. Yes, I think it'd be really interesting to explore the character when he's older. Has he become a better sorcerer? What's going on with him? I think it'd be really great because we've got this world established. Mad Mardigan has become a more sensible guy now. Or is he this warrior who's still a bit of a loose cannon? We've established this world, we know the characters, and now with the CG effects that we've achieved, we can explore the world in even more detail and spectacle. Very well said. He's got it all planned out, man. He's ready. Just gotta get that phone call. <laughs> it's just like... And uh, Max Acree and Anduin have uh, started campaigns on our uh, State of the Empire forum thread on Nerdy Show. Hashtag bring back Willow and uh, a letter writing campaign because they want Work Davis very much to be on this show. Wow, a letter writing campaign is very old school. Anduin has created a printout form. So you can just print it out and mail it off. Really? Yeah. Dang, man. We'll link to that posting on this episode's page. And thank you, guys. That's super cool. And yeah, you work. Davis can join us anytime he wants to. Open invitation. We always have a seat waiting for him. And thus ends Willow Watch. So there's a couple more rumors from episode seven we want to talk about. Before we do that, we got to give some shout outs to some very awesome people. Nerdy Show is listener-supported. The entire network, not just State of the Empire, not just Nerdy Show. We desperately need your money to survive. As of last month, we're now on Patreon, so you can still do one-time donations, and we'll send you cool perks, or you can subscribe to us monthly at any amount you choose on Patreon and get a slew of, well, rewards that were previously unavailable. 
In fact, among some of the cool perks you get is all kinds of, you know, deleted scenes and extra bonus content. But hey, it's, uh, it's the holiday time. It's the season of giving. During the course of recording this State of the Empire, we went on a long rant about Terminator and Jurassic Park and Howard the Duck and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything. And why waste that? We're releasing a Patreon-exclusive episode. So if you haven't subscribed to us on Patreon, hey, just a dollar a month. Support the network if you enjoy listening. And uh, <laughs> here, here's some very passionate thoughts about the state of Terminator and, uh, and my plan for Howard the Duck in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Jurassic World. Yeah, and Jurassic World too. Because now you've opened the floodgates, motherfucker. We got to give some, uh, some shout-outs to some awesome people, including... Aaron Harriet of New Zealand, who says, Love you guys' work. Makes the working day go faster listening to your antics, especially D&D. Keep on nerding guys and gals. Awesome. Jeremy Wright said, Finally caught up on my backlog of nerdy show shows, and this last D&D was one of the most hilarious you guys have put out recently. And that's saying something. And uh, hey, stay tuned, guys, because uh, last month was a catch-up. We ran a little bit late on D&D, and there's another D&D coming out this month. But we'll be back on schedule. Nice. Pestilence said, late and missed donations. I'll make sure to get on Patreon from now on to avoid this. Keep up the good work. And he did, post-haste. So thank you very much, Pestilence. Also got to give a shout out to uh, Louis Melancon, who uh, saved the day in November and pushed us over our minimum goal that we needed for the month. In December, Dylan Phelps gave us a standalone donation and said, great work as usual, guys. Shoutouts are in order for all the fine people who have subscribed to us on Patreon, including Brent Bouchard, Kenneth McFarlane, Dustin Parker, Jim Finley, Anna Barrich, Muckraker, Josh, Pestilence, Joseph Phillip, and Rick Harlan. Chief of Stuff is one of our backers at the $10 tier, which means he gets a special shout-out every month. And uh, this month he wants to ask, where is the Booster Gold TV show Sci-Fi has promised? And, geez, man, actually, that's the first I've heard of it. I would love to see a Booster Gold TV show. I, I hadn't heard of that either. Uh, as long as Blue Beetle's in it. If it's not Booster and Beetle, I, I mean, Booster's great by himself, but... Booster and Beetle's where it's at. That's ultimately what I would like. But DC seems like they got their hands full with TV shows right now, so who can say? Hopefully it'll happen. Kevin Wise says, With the implementation of the Patreon system, I've decided to abandon the buck-a-week model and go with an automatic $15 a month. I don't forget when it happens automatically. <laughs> Garrier's got some shout-outs. He wants to say, Animation, games, science, comics, music? Nerdy Show has it all. Thank you, Garrier. Awesome, thank you. Supreme Ultimate Hero of the Futuristic Killscape, Brian Shulman, said, Keep up being awesome. Thanks so much for entertaining me for so long. It's long overdue that I start giving back. This is so nice. <laughs> Everyone's being so nice. <laughs> and Eric Maxner said, For just $12 a year, you can help Galdap afford his exponentially increasing syphilis medication bill. <laughs> and for a little more, Nerdy Show can probably get the rights for a Sarah McLaughlin song to go behind this message. I can see that happening. It feels like we should uh, at least make a sound alike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere an old wizard's disease-ridden crotch is aching <laughs> and oozing, and he needs your help. We also got a donation for the Ghostbusters role-playing system from Joseph Riccardelli, who said, Have a great holiday season, you crazy kids, and keep those positron colliders maintained. <laughs> That's awesome. There's two other projects that uh, all you guys probably want to be aware of. One is Megaran and Kay Murdoch's joint production group, you might call it, Bits and Rhymes, makers of Bits, Rhymes, and Life, the show here on Nerdy Show Network, have launched their own Patreon. So if you like the rap music that they make, or the podcast that they make, 
and you want to fund those guys' personal projects, including Bits, Rhymes, and Life here on the network, they have a Patreon where you can do that. We'll link to it on this episode's page. Also, in Kickstarter news, our very own Brian Clevenger, creator of Atomic Robo and 8-Bit Theater, has launched a new Kickstarter for a brand new comic, which he's doing with Erica Henderson, the artist recently announced to be doing Marvel's new Squirrel Girl book. Hmm. It's called The Bureau of Infernal Affairs, and his uh, TLDR for it is, put the fun Monster of the Week X-Files episodes in ancient China, boom, Infernal Affairs. I'm all right. I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> so we'll have a link to where you can check that out on this episode's page. And uh, here's a little bit more speculation on episode seven. I read an article online, and this is, of course, it's on the internet, so it has to be true. <laughs> yes, go um, on. They had an interesting thought about who the villain, who the true villain is. Now, um, I will say, based on the concept art we've already been talking about, I don't believe this is true because this wouldn't gel with any of the concept art that we've seen so far. Leaving that aside, if you just go based on what you see in the trailer, this person online posted a uh, very good argument that uh, based on what you see from behind, the shape of the saber, not the actual light of the, the blade, but the shape of the saber itself, the hood, the type of gloves that they were wearing and the, the way they're moving... They say if you really look at it, it looks like Darth Revan. And if the idea of an ancient evil force awakening, where's Revan been this whole time? I'm not familiar with Revan. Who's Revan? I mean, I know the name, but I don't know why. Revan is the biggest evil badass Sith slash Jedi slash we don't really know what he is from the first video game Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, okay, which I have not played. Yeah, yes. you need are, to play. Are, are, are we beyond the statute limitations on spoilers for Nice Old Republic? Uh, very much so, I should say. Okay, so I mean, if someone, if a listener hasn't played and they don't know this, then we're, they, yeah, we're, we're towards the end of the episode anyway. So you can okay. leave now and go play it. And trust me, you should. <laughs> like you should. If, yes, if, if you if you play video games and you like Star Wars, you need to play Nice Old Republic. And it's on GOG yes. now. Yeah. So go now. I promise you won't miss anything too crazy. Because yeah, this so, is loose rumor isn't very likely to be true anyway. Nice Old Republic is in the aftermath of a war in which the main antagonist is Darth Revan's apprentice. But throughout the entire game, you're being subjected to like how terrible Darth Revan was and what an impact he left on the galaxy. Because he supposedly the, the, the apprentice killed the master Darth Revan. Yes. And as it turns out, when you get to the I am your father moment towards the end of the game, you, the protagonist, were Darth Revan who has lost his memory. Oh, Wow. Yes. Yeah. But it's not. And it's and when it happens, it's not like a soap opera of like, I hit my head and I don't remember. It was that when the Jedi's found you half dead, they were like, you know, we could let him die or her, depending on you know how you play the game. Or we can win them back over to the light side because you were a good Jedi at one point. And the combined efforts of like five Jedi masters can erase your memory and you wake up and you have no memory of being a force user or anything. And then it was all the Jedi had planned this whole thing of like they would reintroduce you to the Jedi order and be like, oh, you show great talent. Like they're lying to you the whole time. They're like, they know exactly who you are. That's the twist. It's not that, oh, I was a bad guy and I don't remember. It's that, no, all of your friends have been lying to you this entire time to try yeah, and, and make and, you a and good there was, guy. And, and there was different motivations behind it. You know, some I think one master thought because you were powerful, it would be a good ally. The other master was like, oh, he'd be a good sack, you know, like basically like send him for the suicide mission because we don't care about him. It was really, really well done. Yeah. And um, at the end of the game, you can choose to either go back to being ultimate badass or stick to the Jedi order. It sort of gives an ambiguous kind of ending where, you know, it could have gone either way, but the thing that's always fascinated me about the potential for something like Revan is um, that Revan can be neither pure Sith nor pure Jedi. 
you could walk that path down the middle that says, no, you're both wrong. This is the way you need to be. Jedi are too uptight, Sith are too stupid and evil. This is the way you really need to use the Force. And from the Jedi point of view, it would look too much like Sith. And from the Sith point of view, it would seem too, I don't want to say good, but definitely not uh, malicious. So it, it would be a really interesting take for any future movies or films or, or anything like that, or even comic books or even a future video game. There's a part of uh, um, the Old Republic MMO where you need to go find like Darth Revan's mask. And if you're playing that game and you played Knights of the Republic, like that's my mask, you know, like it's all it sort of comes full circle. And he was, he was immensely popular. And while I don't imagine Abrams ever borrowing things from an expanded universe that's been wiped out. I mean, it was, I mean, arguably he's the biggest fan favorite Sith character that's ever come out of the expanded universe. I remember way back when, like when this first sequel to uh, the force unleashed came out, it was like, why do we got to get a sequel to the force unleashed that just follows the same star killer guy? Well, can we get a sequel to the force unleashed where you play as Darth Revan taking over Mandalore? And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> like <laughs> that, that's, that would be amazing. But, uh, yeah, ever since, ever since Knights of the Republic, they really, they've referenced him here and there, but they've never used him properly. Is there any proof that, um, the current old Republic online is uh canon to the new universe? Uh, they said they, they are evaluating. <laughs> okay. So Revan may be canon if that's the case, if that ends up becoming uh, right. like official. It's interesting because I, I don't know the timing of it, but you mentioned that, you know, ancient evil awakening there. The concept uh, I have seen a supposed leaked concept art of that character from the front wearing a mask that is very suspiciously. I, I know Revan's mask was kind of like, oh, this is a Sith mask and it had been in comics. Also had a, um, um, uh, had a heavy Mandalorian influence as well. Yes. I mean, I would absolutely be all over it. Because, you know, they could write whatever history they want for him. Right. But if they are going to take this, you know, ancient evil approach that is a way of explaining what the actual conflict between Sith and Jedi is, I would be OK with a character named Darth Revan, yeah. even if he's something different. And I think that what we've been talking about here today with the possibility of The Force Awakens explaining the conflict of Sith and Jedi to the general audience and setting the stage for all Star Wars material to come from now on i think that seems like a very important statement to make and only right that they would do it within the actual series itself whether it's darth revan or not i think that there's some clout there to that being what's going to happen it's 99 percent not darth revan because uh based on all the other concept art and everything else we've seen it just doesn't seem like revan but when you see like the side-by-side -side comparison of the back of whoever this this dark figure is and their lightsaber and then you see like maquettes of Darth Revan and stuff and like how his costume looks. It looks very similar. But uh... yeah, and, and I'm looking at an article now that was back in late October. That was it was a front piece of concept art of a Revan ish character, you know, with the mask and the hood and everything else holding the broadsword saber. And this was a month before the broadsword ever made its appearance in the trailer. So the broadsword saber had been a rumor. Where the fuck did that come from? I mean, I haven't uh, seen this. It was posted on Star Wars Underworld. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that looks a lot like Revan, too. Yeah. And, and, this was, and this was a month before the trailer. And we got the broadsword. And yeah, that that is Revan. You know, like the mask is a little updated for like, you know, film or whatever it might be updated for. But that's that's the mask. And that's the general build. Dang, guys, this <laughs> this is really weird. I mean, what is what does it mean? I don't know. That's why I bring it up. But I, did, I didn't see that concept art before with the with the crossword. That, that. Yeah, this is the first I'm seeing of it. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll link to where you can see this on this episode's page because damn, 
there's comparison shots to uh, to Revan in there, and me having no experience with the character. I mean, just layman looking at it, it looks the same. Yeah, yeah. but you got to play the game. I'll try. <laughs> They've established decanonizing everything. They called it Legends. Right. And the very first non-Legends piece of like adult literature, which was the Rebels prequel, A New Dawn, there's like a preface. It's something along the lines of like there's been many tales and many things like and some of them were probably just merely legends of how real events occurred. And it was basically saying like, yeah, okay, stuff like the Mandalorian Wars that happened prior and everything like they probably did happen, but probably the exacts of it you know, they're hollow dramas, they're stories, they're whatever. Right. And that to me sounds like we can borrow characters for bigger media, such as maybe Revan and Knights of Republic and Old Republic could be completely not the way things happened. But the reason why we wanted to call them legends is because if we did borrow things like that, it is sort of like, oh, this is the legend of Darth Revan, but it isn't actually what happened because right. Abrams has his own idea of what, you know, the Sith were or the Jedi were. Could be cool. And I like that they yeah. did that. I think that's really neat. And, and if he's looking at the duality of things, I mean, that narration, it's a very scary voice, but it's not necessarily, I mean, he acknowledges both the dark side and the light. Exactly. So as you guys know, I usually try to end an episode with a Star Wars joke. And they're usually pretty awful, but that's half the fun. Yes. I, I, I had run out of, you know, if you just Google Star Wars jokes, I've pretty much read all of them. But then I had a, a, an idea that, hey, couldn't I just find other jokes and just repurpose them to be Star Wars jokes. <laughs> like, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a little bit more of a surprise, especially to people who may have looked up Star Wars jokes on their own? Cap. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's up? How do you blind a stormtrooper? Um, turn their helmet around backwards is what I would do. Well, what, what, what do you have in mind? You put a helmet on them. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call a Gungan with an opinion? Uh, Wrong. <laughs> I got another one here uh, This is a joke about Corellians A Corellian was walking home late one night And he spots a woman in the shadows 20 credits she whispers He'd never been with a hooker before But he decides what the heck It's only 20 credits Oh you Corellians So they hide in the bushes So they're going out a little bit And uh, all of a sudden a light flashes on them And it's an imperial officer What's going on here asks the officer uh, I'm, I'm making love to my wife, the Corellian answers, annoyed. Oh, I'm sorry, says the Imperial officer. I, I didn't know. The Corellian says, well, neither did I until you shine that light in her face. <laughs> <laughs> Better watch your mouth or you're telling that Corellian joke to you. <laughs> uh, I got one more. This one, uh, this one's from uh, Josh LaForge from Ghostbusters Resurrection. What did the Gamorrean guard get on his Imperial placement exam? I don't know. Barbecue sauce. <laughs> so yeah equally awful for different reasons i'll save a couple others for next time but uh, okay thank you doug yeah. thank you very much you're very welcome thank you for your your, your wonderful contributions to the show <laughs> <laughs> and thank you very much for listening to this episode of state of the empire of course if you want to uh Throw out any new Star Wars news to us or ask us any questions. Do, you can do it on the Nerdy Show forum. We'll link to that forum thread on this episode's page. And uh, we can only expect, you know, more intense Star Wars news coming soon. So uh, let us know what you'd like to see from State of the Empire because obviously this podcast is going to be uh, very busy in the coming year. Very much so. Yeah, 2015 is going to be a crazy time for us. So uh, thanks so much for listening. Taking us out is a track by Axel Zarin. 
is an electronic musician, and we featured his work on the show several years ago when he was working under the moniker Fismatic. It's been all quiet on the Fismatic front, but now he's back under his own name and has just recently released the Hidden Revealed EP, which is going to be followed up by a full album next year. We've recently added his work as Axel Zarin and Fismatic to the Nerdy FM library. This is an excerpt of a track called Like a Cloud of Steel and Strawberries from the Hidden Revealed EP. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Doug. Bye, I'm Matt. Oh, hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Well, I've got some sexy secret things to tell you. Uh, Not really too secret. I do say them at the end of every episode. But if you liked what you heard, it is imperative that you follow my every word. First, I want to thank you for listening to Nerdy Show. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows in the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com slash store, or most importantly, by directly donating to the network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive nerdy show outtakes, dramatic readings, images, and other crazy stuff and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. But if you really want to level up, find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other nerdy show programming. Just visit nerdyshow.com sponsorships. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show podcasts via the iTunes store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. So to recap, tell a friend, donate to the show, and connect with the entire Nerdy Show network crew online. We're glad to be your home for authentic nerdy entertainment. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So... 
What are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.